0: good evening and welcome to tonight's broadcast this is actually my second broadcast of the day because the first one was a reading of the audiobook of the novelization of mad max and if you are a patreon or a youtube member you can listen to that right now because i just dropped the first segment tonight. Uh, that will eventually make its way onto YouTube regular for everybody else. But right now it's just for YouTube members and Patreon members and all the membership stuff, jazz, whatnot, what have you. So check that out, taking two bites of the apple tonight because we're back. We're talking Ramones tonight. We haven't spoken about the Ramones in some time, and I figure why not talk about this really? interesting story that i don't ever remember reading about like i've read a, extensively about the ramones but for some reason i do not remember ever i must have grazed over the story and i just simply forgot about it or something i don't know who knows who knows what happens with these things and whatnots and yakety schmackety's and blah blah blahs and blah, blah, blah blues gabba gabba hey gabba gabba hey robbie bloodshed uh did i just make that public i did okay i think it's time Okay, so check it out. Here's how this works. Um, We're doing a special promotion with Riot Stickers. At least we're trying to, although some of you are making it really difficult, I have to tell you. Um, We're doing trivia. So the way it works is you can win a free T-shirt at the end of this episode if you answer the trivia question right. That's at the end of the episode. Here, let me tell you, let me let me give you the whole spiel right now. I, I pre-recorded it. Ready? I'm going to go. Actually, maybe I should. Right I'm going to be doing a live show every single day. I'm going to be giving away a t-shirt. At the end of every episode, I will ask my trivia question. You will send your answer to fromusmail at gmail.com. And the first person to answer correctly... Will be the winner. You give me your name, your address, and your t shirt size. If you are outside of the continental United States, you will have to cover shipping and handling. Join us night after night where I will be doing t shirt giveaways. Who doesn't like a free t shirt? I'm not going to go easy on any of you. I'm going to ask really hard questions. So be prepared. Okay. So does everybody understand how that works? So stick around. At the end of the episode, when I'm going to ask the question, and then you can send it in an email. Without further ado, let's get started with our episode. Um, so this is pretty cool. So I guess this all started when I was, you know, browsing, and I noticed that there was a picture of Johnny Ramone with really, really short hair, and I guess there is a there's a whole story attached to it, attached to why... Johnny Ramone has such short hair. This is uh brought to us by Dangerous Minds, Brain Drain. Johnny Ramone and his brush with death after a deadly brawl in 1983 and it was it was a big deal. It made it to the uh the post, the New York Post as you can see here, front page. Superstar stomped in Tenth Street rage over woman he loves. I'm all for capital punishment. I think it should be televised, said Johnny Ramone speaking about his wish for Seth Macklin of the punk band Sub-Zero, who attacked Ramon, leaving him with a fractured skull and near death in 1983. In the year leading up to Johnny Ramon's near death... Oh, by the way, who wrote this? This was written by... uh, You know, it doesn't say. How about that? All right. Well, maybe it'll say at the bottom. In the year leading up to Johnny Ramone's near-death experience in the early hours of August 14th, 1983, tensions between Joey Ramone, Jeffrey Ross Hyman, and the, eldest Ramone, and the eldest Ramone escalated. Is Johnny Ramone the eldest Ramone? I don't even know that. One particular incident deepened the division between Johnny and Joey. Johnny's pursuit of Joey's girlfriend, Linda, Danielle, who would later become Johnny's wife. We all know her today as Linda Ramone, and we know this story. This is a, a legendary story, and yet somehow, amazingly, both Johnny and Joey were able to put their strife aside and continue on in the band. In fact, they would be the, t- the last two original members standing within the band by the time the Ramones decided to retire. I mean, of all things, you would you would think that perhaps that wouldn't be the case, but not for the Ramones. Um, the band was always suffering both personally and physically. Mar- uh, Marky, uh, the band was always suffering both personally and physically. Joey Ramone had, was always getting sick, and he always needed to sort of clear his nasal passages. One time he got badly burned. You know, he used to do the steam thing where you put the towel over your head and he got badly burned from that and whatnot. And he was, he was always, he was always sickly on the road for a plethora of reasons. Some of which, you know, I guess could be said because of his, he had, you know, he had undiagnosed OCD. And when I spoke to Monty Melnick, the longtime tour manager of Ramones, who was there for the entire sort of time that the Ramones were around, you know, we, I, I brought that up. It was kind of amazing how the band, you know, attempted to deal with this undiagnosed thing. Nobody like really had a grasp as to what OCD was. It was more like just something that Joey did. And I think that, uh, that, you know, extended into his health and, you know, he would get these infections and just all sorts of stuff for Joey. Um, other things that happened to the Ramones where they suffered both personally and physically Marky, AKA Mark Bell was dismissed for his binge boozing. And there was the 24 seven problem. That was DD Dee Dee Ramone. DD Dee Dee Ramone was a <laughs> DD Ramone was like a walking, uh, a walking tornado, like a Tasmanian devil by, by all accounts that I've read in, in various books, just, uh, like a living, breathing cartoon character, what it would have been to to have known or been around D.D. Ramone. In December of 1982, the band headed into Kingdom Sound in Long Island to record their seventh album, Subterranean Jungle. And this is when, you know, even after Phil Spector, man, they still couldn't get a hit. The Ramones always wanted a hit. They always wanted a hit song. And I mean, that was the thing. This whole idea of like selling out. First of all, what is selling out anyway? Um, In my opinion, I think selling out is when you compromise your true self in the name of money, wealth, prestige, and success. The Ramones never stopped being the Ramones. They just wanted to get a top 10 hit as a Ramone, as the Ramones. So even the idea of wanting commercial success, wouldn't have been selling out anyway because they wanted commercial success on their terms, but that doesn't mean that they weren't trying to chase it either. And I feel like both pleasant dreams and subterranean jungle are these like, you know, our attempts, they are attempting to, to hone their sound in a way that might make them more radio friendly, you know, Um, to an extent, to an extent. Uh, so the band had headed into kingdom kingdom sound and long islands to record their seventh album, subterranean jungle. And this is obviously This is when Marky left. You look at the, the album cover of subterranean jungle, and you can see Marky all the way off to the side in the sidecar. He, uh, feeling, uh, symbolically separated from the band, the subterranean tour with Richie Ramone. He, he took over on drums, would begin in early February and roll around the country until the band returned for a gig in Queens on August 13th. After that show, Johnny had a run-in with Seth Macklin, a 22-year-old punk rocker from the band Sub-Zero, also known as Sub-Zero Construction. I'll be honest, I'm not overly familiar with... I don't know much or anything about Sub-Zero. I really don't. Um... It was over a girl that Macklin thought was his own, because that's what we do. We can, you know, possess women in 1982 and in, in 1982 punk rockers in New York City thinking that they can be in possession of women. Uh it was 27 year old former dancer and punk rock style icon, Cynthia Roxy Whitney. Uh okay, so I think Roxy was actually, wasn't she Roxy Ramon? Wasn't that his. Was that his first wife? I don't know. I guess that was in between Linda, whatever. In any case, in her, yeah, yeah, right, right, right. That was that was before Linda. Okay, so she had really, if I'm if I'm not uh, mistaken here, if I'm not mistaken here, she suffered brutally at the hands. If that's the first wife, she suffered brutally at the hands of Johnny Ramone in. Johnny Ramone was a monster, dude. Like he did some really, really, really crazy shit. Um, She wrote a book in 2015 called Too Tough to Love. My, Lo- My life with Johnny Ramone. Whitney chronicles the 20 years she spent as Johnny's mistress. Okay, maybe not. Whitney and Johnny had been a thing since. So he had been, sle- he, I guess he had been stepping out on Linda that whole time. Or at least according to her. Wait a minute. Now, this doesn't make any sense here, because I thought once he was with Linda, that was it. Uh, Whitney chronicles the 20 years she spent as Johnny's mistress. Whitney and Johnny had been the thing since the late 70s when she started showing up outside of the band's native New York area. Now, is that different from the wife that he married? I think so. Too Tough to Love is Cynthia Whitney's memoir of her 20-year love affair with punk guitar legend Johnny Ramone. It tells the absolute truth of what is really going on behind closed doors that has never been told until now. While most fans have heard of the notorious love triangle of Johnny singer Joey Ramone and Joey's girlfriend, Linda, later Mrs. Johnny Ramone, very few knew that the triangle also had another injured party, Roxy who had been there beside Johnny from the beginning. She gives a no holds bar account of life in 1970s New York, the early days of punk and the Ramones and the betrayal that shattered and haunted the band for the rest of its existence. Roxy was written out of the Ramones official history, but her relationship with Johnny uh, continued for many years, even after his marriage to Joey's fiance. Okay. How about that? Did not know that. As told to spoken word poet, Emily XYZ, Roxy's story is full of vivid, funny, hair-raising and poignant details and paints a far more complex portrait of Johnny than any other Ramones history. I got to read this. I got to read that. I have to know I'm adding that to my cart because, yeah, I think it's I think that's got to be right. It's probably probably very salacious. Probably very salacious, but, you know, maybe there'll be some good tidbits in there that we can uh, take a look at. Um, so that's in the cart now. But okay, so so they were fighting over Roxy in 1983. Uh, Jealousy almost killed Frank Zappa in 1971. Now it was trying to take down Johnny Ramone by way of Seth Macklin's foot crushing his skull over a check. How did, now I've got to know, how did how did Jealousy almost kill Frank Zappa? I thought I was dead. Frank Zappa's brush with death after being pushed off stage by a jealous fan. Okay. All right. I we don't need to read about that, but that's interesting. I didn't know that about Frank Zappa. Johnny never really spoke much about the incident publicly and the band would not perform live again, alive. Perform live again until December of 1983, so they took almost 2 months off probably because of the injuries sustained, you know, getting your, your skull cracked, having to shave your head and whatnot. Um, following the incident, both the New York Times and the Daily Courier, a newspaper published out of Prescott, Arizona, both ran stories detailing Ramon's run-in with Macklin. According to both publications, just before 4 a.m., Macklin, who thought he was dating Cynthia exclusively, spotted uh, spotted her with Johnny. Cynthia, on the other hand, was of the mind that she and Macklin had an open relationship and at this point had been seeing Johnny on and off for several years anyway. In his police statement, Macklin asserted it was Johnny who swung at him first with Cynthia's handbag, which sounds dubious at best. Macklin then said he hit Johnny two or three times in self-defense before the guitars fell to the sidewalk, hitting his head on a car door on his way down you know for a guy who who beat on women and was super racist and yes like one of the great punk rock guitar heroes i i don't i don't feel too bad for johnny ramon getting knocked on his ass i'll be honest with you again i love me some johnny ramon but, but yeah, eh, you know karma's a bitch what can i what can i say right what can i say um Macklin kicked him in the head after assaulting him, causing the fracture and rendering him unconscious. Johnny's injuries injuries were so dire that he underwent emergency surgery at St. Vincent's Hospital to stop the bleeding in his brain. So he had brain hemorrhages. That's what a brain hemorrhage is from a brush up. And I wonder what that did for Johnny's ego, right? You know, to get his ass kicked by a 22 year old punk in some band called sub zero when he was in, you know, the world famous Ramones, even though I don't think they were the world famous Ramones quite yet, I guess maybe so after the year 1977, they probably would have been the world famous Ramones. Who knows who friggin' knows. Um, and then we have a, we have a blurb. We have a blurb right here. How much? Yeah, we have a little bit more. Um, We have a blurb right here. Let's take a look. It's hard to read that print from so far away. Uh, Jealous rage. The street fight that landed punk rocker Johnny Ramone in the hospital with a skull fracture apparently began because his view of his relationship with a female friend was different than what she thought a detective said. Police say the fight broke out early Sunday when Ramon, 29, so he was seven years older, uh, who founded the punk rock group, the Ramones, went into a fit of jealous rage when he saw 27-year-old Cynthia Whitney outside her apartment with another man. She thought it was an open relationship and she was free to be with other people, said Detective Dennis Carroll. He assumed... His relationship with the girl was different than what she thought. Seth Macklin, 22, a member of the U.S. punk band Sub-Zero Construction, was charged with first-degree assault in the case. In a statement to police, Macklin said, Ramon started fighting by hitting me with a shoulder bag, and I hit him back. I defended myself and hit him two or three times. He fell and hit his head on the car door and the sidewalk. Wowza. Wowza, wowza, wowza. Uh, I'm curious to know now. Is Roxy, is she this Roxy Ramone, uh Johnny Ramon's first wife? I don't think it's the same girl. Can't be. Hey, okay. Uh yeah, he was born in 48. I guess that does make him the the first, the 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 oldest eldest Ramon. <sighs> But I don't see anything about his first his first wife. It just talks about Linda. He married Linda in 1984. But I'm not seeing anything about Rox. Let's see, Roxy Ramon maybe will come up. Roxy Ramon. Roxy Roxy Ramon Whitney. There you go. That's her. She she goes by the name Roxy Ramone. But was she married? Was she married to him? Let's type that in. Let's find that out. Was Roxy married? Let's write this, actually. Who was Johnny Ramone's first wife? By the way... That, that trivia question that I have that I'll be asking at the end of the episode absolutely is going to be Ramon's theme. So be ready for a Ramon's theme trivia question in order to win a free t shirt. Who was Johnny, jo- Johnny Ramon's first wife? Let's see. Uh, it does not. It just Linda Ramon pops up. Linda Ramon. I could have sworn Johnny Ramon had a if if it wasn't a wife it was a very serious girlfriend it must have been roxy it must have been roxy damn i now i can't remember if there is any ramones fan or johnny ramone fan that knows i you know it's funny i bet it's in commando the book commando i don't have it in front of me that might give us that might give us an answer you know trying to figure out these things is sticky business and you know what else is sticky riot stickers riot stickers is the official sponsor of the from us channel and the way it works is we're doing a special promotion with riot stickers in addition to the t-shirt situation uh you can get vinyl stickers those vinyl stickers printed on vinyl, make them waterproof are uv uh coat protected okay so so Uh, they they hold up really well against the sun. They're not going to bleach out and they're going to be three inches by three inches. And you can get a thousand of these suckers for $79. That's seven cents per sticker. Link is down in the description. You go to ride stickers.com backslash from us. F R U M E S S. Michael says he never heard of a first wife other than Linda. It must've be just a girlfriend. I guess I, I could have sworn. I I could have sworn that, that it was uh, a first wife. It, It was probably just a girlfriend, But he, like, tied her up to a chair and, like, beat her and stuff. I wonder if that's the same one. It's got to be her. That's got to be her. All right, let's play our little Riot, Riot Stickers theme song, and we'll get back to the show. and we are back. Make sure to stick stick around to the end of the show for the trivia question. It's going to be a Ramones trivia question. The 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 lucky uh winner, the winner, the person who answers the trivia question correctly, you have to answer correctly by sending in an email will win a free t-shirt. I'm going to be doing a live show every single day. I'm going to be giving away a t-shirt. At the end of every episode, I will ask my trivia question. You will send your answer to fromusmail at gmail.com and the first person to answer correctly will be the winner. You give me your name, your address, and your t-shirt size. If you are outside of the continental United States, you will have to cover shipping and handling. Join us night after night where I will be doing t-shirt giveaways who doesn't like a free t-shirt i'm not gonna go easy on any of you i'm gonna ask really hard questions so be prepared all right so now you know what the deal is uh let's get back to this back to our regular scheduled programming in his autobiography okay so it is mentioned in commando which i did read but it's been years since i've read it uh johnny shed some light on the incident which he admittedly did not remember much about, mostly because he spent the majority of it unconscious. But what he does remember clearly was arriving at his old apartment on 10th street in Manhattan in the band's van after the show uh, in Queens at around 3 AM across the street. He saw Cynthia hanging out on a porch stoop bombed out of her mind, chatting with a punk Johnny had not seen around before. Though Johnny and Cynthia were not together, quote unquote, together at the time, he felt uneasy seeing her in a potentially bad situation and approached Maclet. See, that sounds like that sounds like saving face bullshit. I'm not going to lie, man. Uh, I, I That feels that's more like Johnny being like, what are you doing sipping on my Kool-Aid? That's that's what it sounds like uh, is a, in a potentially bad situation and approached Macklin telling him to get lost, urging Cynthia to get back inside. Johnny remembers nothing else about the fight. His first memory was instead waking up in the hospital with no hair. So that's the reason for Ramones, for Johnny Ramones, short hair. The entire time Johnny is in the Ramones, he has that signature Ramones haircut, except around this time period, at least as far as I know, where he had to have his head shaved because he they, you know, had to do surgery on him and he had a skull fracture. So, you know, that's that's what happens. Sounds like it could have been something that, that they could have written, you know, bleeding, hemorrhaging, hemorrhaging brain. That sounds like it could be a Dee, Dee Ramone song um, if he had been so inspired to write something. He just said he woke up in the hospital with no hair. I mean, Didi Ramone could write this song in two seconds. I woke up in the hospital with no hair. A Bleeding cerebellum bear. Knock back seizure. Knock back anti-seizure medication. Da, 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 da. Hemorrhage brain. Hemorrhage <laughs> That just sounds like a Didi Ramone song. Hemorrhage brain. Hemorrhage brain. I'm going insane. Got a hemorrhage brain. Wait. wait. Woke up, woke up in the hospital with no hair, a bleeding cerebellum with with a cranium bare. Knock back anti-seizure medication. Da, da 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 da. Yeah, something like that. Something like that. Bleeding cerebellum. He had a, a bleeding cerebrum. And he was knocking back anti-seizure medication. And you know what's funny about head injuries? Not always, but sometimes when people sustain heavy head injuries, man, it changes them. It changes their brain chemistry forever. Sometimes you're not the same after a, a, a significant brain injury. The story made the cover of the New York Post on August 15th with sensational taglines like battered punk rocker star battles for life and superstar stomped in 10th Street rage over woman he loves. You know, what's funny. Those headlines. Even before the internet are SEO optimized for anybody who's familiar with search engine optimization, those are SEO optimized. when you do a lot of YouTube, you need to have SEO stuff, and that sounds like that. It's pr- pretty interesting. After three or so months of rehabilitation and healing, Johnny returned to the band, but in his own words, people close to him felt that he had changed. There you go. Exactly my point. let's see let's hold on. let's click into this link. Myths on the rock and roll stage. Oh, interesting, Southern Monster. Blah blah blah. blah, blah. Huh? Oh, we might. Oh man. Oh man, I got to take a look at this too. All right, we'll come back to that in a minute. Remarkably, Johnny's doctors were able to determine that he hadn't suffered any kind of brain damage. The attack did make Ramon more cautious around people trying to cozy up to the band. It also made Johnny even more guarded about his personal space, especially his head. He was also very effing pissed off at Macklin and testified in court against his assailant who had been charged with first degree assault in the case, only to serve a few short months in jail for almost murdering Ramon. So the dude went to prison over that. That is gnarly. Here's a passage from Commando in which Ramon expresses the dark thoughts that he had about Macklin. I was very angry. I was very angry. I wanted him killed. I'm all for capital punishment. I think it should be televised. I think they can make it a pay-per-view and give the money to the victims' families. So then I started fantasizing about getting a gun. I thought it would be great to have someone mess with me and kill him. I mean... Bernard Goats was a hero. He did what everyone wants to do. He was Charles Bronson. In real life, who the hell would approach Charles Bronson? They go for the they go for the <laughs> sorry, I'm trying to do I'm trying to do Johnny Ramone. It's not easy. In real life, they go for the Bernard Goats of the world. In the end though, in the end though I never owned a gun. It was just a fantasy. I was no Charles Bronson. That, there you go. Battered punk rock star fights for life. Uh, before Johnny passed, he did an interview with New York Magazine, rating each album in the Ramones discography. Oh, his comments. We should check that out. His comments on his first post-brain surgery album, Too Tough to Die, produced by former Ramones drummer, Tommy Ramone, as a nod to Johnny living through some bad brain bullshit are quite interesting. In the context of this story, it also perhaps it's also perhaps another indication of a temporary shift in Johnny's frame of mind, at least as it pertained to the band's strained interpersonal relationships. All of a sudden, all of a sudden we got along and stopped worrying about making a hit record. This is our best record of the 80s. Too Tough to Die is a remarkable Ramones album, and some would argue the last truly great Ramones album and what is interesting about it is that a bunch of the songs are actually co-written. Oh, wow. Thank you for clearing that up. Bernard goats was a racist who shot some young guys on a New York city train. I guess that doesn't that fit so perfectly with Johnny Ramone though. I mean, of course he would, of course he would quote a guy like that. Um, too Tough to Die is one of the only records where Johnny's like actually writing songs. He's co writing songs with Dee Dee, which is something that really never occurred. You know, maybe in the early, early days when the four of them were kind of getting into a room and doing stuff. Um, in the name of research, I spent time cruising through the Ramones catalog circa 1981 to 1984 and was reminded of a groovy jam, Chop Suey, which Johnny hated. It was recorded in 1981, but a lot of us 80s kids will remember it from a completely different bonkers flick, Get Crazy, which I got to see at in the Alamo Draft House. And yes, Lou Reed is in it. That's right. 1983, Lou Reed, Never Forget. That's right. It features vocals of B-52's Cindy Wilson and Kate Pearson, as well as Deborah Harry. Also elevating the cool factor of this song is it pinpoints a time in the band's career again, according to Johnny, where nobody was talking to each other? Although, if you go and you listen to my interview with Monty Melnick, you know, and who knows if he's telling the truth or not, uh, maybe you know, he's the he's literally the keeper of the Ramones' history at this point, so like you know, there's nobody else who's going to be able to you know keep this history, and and you know, not that's not a slight on CJ or Marky Ramone, but uh friggin Monty is the only one who was there for the entire time CJ and Marky were not so he is the truest keeper of the history and yeah it's in uh that book PKM I can't say the you know please me by Legs McNeil and Jillian Anderson or you know that's this whole thing of like that the nobody in the band is talking to each other but I don't know I don't know John Ramone stays tough, man. That's a cool article to read as well. I'm not going to, not going to do it now. Um, damn, that is a, that's a great article. Gotta read this. Okay. We'll, we'll save that for another day. We'll save that one for another day. So uh, allegedly that's that nobody was talking to each other at that time. And there's, chop suey now the one other thing i wanted to take a look at it it, it linked us to what let's see here before we before we get out of here johnny returned to his band but in the own in his own words Hold on, it, it 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 sent us somewhere it sent us to this thing this is interesting check this out let me see hey what's up cw cwb you ready for some more remote some more uh sopranos? We got some more sopranos coming eventually soon. This is called no such thing no such thing as was myths on the rock and roll stage. Now, we can't we'll just skim through it because we just did a whole thing about this. We're just going to skim through this. We can't can't do the whole thing remember to stick around for the trivia question and your chance to potentially win a free t-shirt okay but you have to answer the question correctly all right who's this by again there's no author that's annoying oh okay it was posted by joe bonomo all right let's let's power read this real quick it's it's pretty pretty brief I saw the Ramones for the first time at the Long Gong Wax Museum in Washington, D.C. in March of 1984. The band was supporting subterranean j- jungle. So March of 1984, this is they are they are three months back on the stage after Johnny Ramone had his accident, his his, the, his surgery and and his, you know, brain brain hemorrhaging and whatnot. Um, the band was supporting Subterranean Jungle, an album that I put out, pulled out recently to listen to and which floored me again with its great guitar sound courtesy of co-producers Richie Cordell and Glenn Colic- Colican, Uh, and an overall amped up energy like each Ramones album since Road to Ruin. So, you know, for me personally, the first four albums are immaculate treasures. Every every single song Ramones, Leave Home, Rocket to Russia, Road to Ruin. Immaculate, just, just hands down immaculate. Um, uh, uh, End of the century is very, you know, hit or miss inconsistent. Same with subterranean jungle and uh, pleasant dreams. Some good stuff on there. Time bomb outsider. Uh, What's the song? I met her outside of the seven. Uh, I met her outside of the Burger King. We fell in love by the soda machine. Do, 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 do. something like that. Uh, too tough to die. All, all great. All great. But from every single track, top to bottom was first four albums. Immaculate. Absolutely immaculate. Um. I don't know why I brought that up. Why? Why were we just talking about that? Why is that? Like, right? Because, like each Ramon's album since Road to Ruin, the record has its detractors. Among them, the band members themselves, but they hated everything. Uh, so, some people do not like these albums. I think they're all great albums, but they're they're patchy. They're not. They're not perfect masterpieces. Some decry the slick of the era production and drum sound. Some lament. The three cover songs. Some hate the cartoonish cover. Johnny Ramone liked the guitar sound, uh, aided and abetted by ex-heartbreaker guitarist Walter Lure, who I had the pleasure of interviewing many, many years ago. Um, Walter Luer is the guy who's doing all the—he's the guy who's doing all the solos. Every time that they need a solo on a record, they call up Walter Luer Walter Luer is helping out with the guitars. Walter Lure plays on on a lot of on a lot of Ramone's tracks who's thanked on the inner sleeve, but otherwise uncredited as he recalls watching the Cardinals Brewers world series while recording the album. That's enough for me, meaning that he's watching baseball while Walter is recording his guitar parts. It's funny how Johnny was so impartial to that stuff. He just didn't give a shit. He there were, you know, what's funny for as controlling as Johnny was, he had no ego about going to a guy like Walter Lure and be like, you know, Hey, go in there and play that part for me, you know, just like go and do it. Uh, the covers time has come today, little bit of soul and the boyfriend's transcendent, desperate. I need your love are all great as, as are the originals. My favorite outsider outsider is one of the great early eighties Ramones. I'm an outsider, outsider, everything, everything, you know, Oh, Everything, it's, it's great. It's really, really great. Somebody like me in the park. Time bomb is great. Psychotherapy, uh, the opening siren wailing riff of what excites me as much as it did when I first heard it in Reagan America. What I remember about the show is the scarifying ringing in my ears for a week afterward but there was a current running through the performance that had nothing to do with the band's considerable martial backline several months before the show following a show in queens johnny had been involved in a street confrontation with 22 year old seth macklin we we are we just went over this blah 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 blah, blah. um i'm not gonna go through it again because we already just read this um the following day, the Times reported that a punk rock star, John Ramone, was in stable condition, and Mr. Ramon's friend was identified as Cynthia Whitney, 22. Macklin, who was injured, was arrested and charged with first-degree assault. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah, he's the best. Walter was the best. Hey, Angus, how are you, man? Long time no see. Hope you're well. Hope you're, hope you're shining and well. Uh, yes, RIP to Walter Lure. really one of the greats, one of the great legends out there. So Johnny didn't talk about the incident much. We we read that already, blah, 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 blah. Uh, they thought it had changed me. I didn't feel any different, but I began to be more cautious and look to avoid confrontational situations. I didn't back down, of course, because New York is a confrontational place, but I watched situations more carefully even people around the Ramones who might get too close. I did not want to get into another fight. I saw the damage it had done. I was now more vulnerable to head injuries. And I think that's also like, I don't know about any of you out there. How old is everybody in the audience right now? I'm 37. And there comes a time in every person's life, I think, where you go through some sort of physical, um, you go through a physical situation of some kind. It could be really light. It could be really heavy. It could be really gnarly. For me, I went flying over my handlebars while I was on a bike uh, about 10 years ago and I broke broke a bone in my hand and I had to get surgery and I was in debt after I got the surgery. I had to pay over $10,000 over, it took me a long time to pay this off because I didn't have health insurance. That's a harrowing story for another time. My point with it all, my point with it all is that I thought up until that point, you know, there was a certain level and it comes with the youth. I guess there's a certain level of invincibility that you feel as a human being that I felt as a human being. I felt invincible, absolutely invincible up until that point, not invincible. Like it sounded like I wasn't cautious. I wasn't, maybe I was more fearless. Okay. I don't know. But after that happened, I was changed. I was changed. Suddenly I, you know, I have, I've only ridden a bike two or three times since that incident. I used to ride my bike everywhere. I stopped, like, I just realized that there were certain behaviors. There are certain things that I needed to like watch out for because I'm a person. I am a fallible human being made out of flesh, blood and bone. And I'm getting older and I need to be more careful. And there are certain risks that I take today in this day and age, but I am a lot more cautious. And it started with that incident. Um, So I don't know if anybody can relate to that, but I feel like that is what Johnny Ramone is talking about. Johnny Ramone realized that sometimes when you fight, you can, you can crack your skull open and now he's more susceptible to brain injury. As a result, he revealed that Macklin served only a few months in jail. We already read that. I went to court and testify. We read that blah, 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 blah. Afterward, Johnny worried about going soft as he peered around a bit more while on the street, bought a gun, and began carrying mace. I thought he just said he didn't buy a gun. Uh, My buddies and I knew none of this that night of the show, of course. Somehow we'd heard that Johnny had been fighting for his life, the result of a street ball with some skinhead or a grimy, shadowy street in scary New York City. I hadn't visited the city since I was a child with my family, and so this imaginary in my head and so the imagery in my head quickly grew lurid and exaggerated, a story telling its own story. This is how the imagination works. Facts are replaced by desire, what it wants. Before the internet, such vivid conjuring was easy, required even. And that is the thing that we discuss so much on the sh- on this channel. We talk about pre-internet mythology and how these like how like these tales get like you know passed around passed down it's so it's so interesting man it's so interesting down in dc because we had no corroboration of or updates about the fight we recreated the incident in our heads what that's what happened that's what happened with friggin' doyle knocking the kid over the head with the guitar grave robbing normally like all these things all this punk lore you know all of it it just gets it gets blown out of proportion because you have to you you don't have any corroboration you don't have any updates you have to recreate the incident in your own heads giving it mythic proportions with within which to grow the details were murky so we brightened the story with our own internal versions now Every fact can be searched for and found online, and there's precious little time left for mythology to form between an incident and its instant sharing and vetting by millions around the world. That's super true, super true. Then we'd heard his head had been shaved for emergency surgery and that he was sporting uncharacteristically short hair or maybe even a wig. It didn't look like it that night of the show, but then again, it was months later that fail in the tiny record store that fall, what that fall in the tiny record store in the student union at the university of Maryland. I looked, Oh, that fall. I see. Got it. Sorry. I was reading that wrong that fall in the tiny record store in the student union at the university of Maryland. I looked at the Ramones new album and sensed that the band was working up a little mythology of their own about the incident too tough to die. It was called, On the cover, they emerged, backlit from a tunnel. Inside, they played faster than they had ever done before. All thanks to Richie. All thanks to Richie Ramone. I got to tell you, um, I got to tell you. Wait, hold on. We got some comments here. Also, Johnny claims to have beaten up Malcolm McLaren. That I could believe. I heard Bobby S. Uh Uh-oh. Something just happened. I think I just got kicked off. I heard somewhere that Bobby S. bashed someone with the guitar. Are you talking? Do you mean? Do you mean Doyle? Is that who you're referring to? Jody Ramon says Johnny could take a stab and still pick faster than most. I bet. RIP. <laughs> right. Yeah. Doyle did. Now I have to tell you, I have been reading several books about the last years of John Lennon. I, I went down a rabbit hole and I picked up a, a few um sort of like uh salacious salacious kind of memoir biographies of like clinger hanger-ons of john lennon and his assistants and not one of them ever mentions john lennon going to the mud club or getting puked on down at the mud club let alone a guy named bobby Steele. so you know and bobby has always said that he was unconscious when it happened and he was told about the incident but i do distinctly recall patricia reagan I did an interview with from Punk Magazine, who used to be Glenn Danzig's ex-girlfriend, or at least you know someone that Glenn Danzig used to hook up with, um, that, that she corroborates that that did happen to Bobby. So I have to look at that tape. That's something to look into. Um, if it did happen, it would be punk as fuck. There's no way to corroborate it. There's no, I've not found a single shred of evidence saying that it's true other than, you know, Bobby has, has you know, told the story a few times in interviews, but Bobby doesn't like talking about that stuff anymore. And I think he's really in like sort of, he doesn't like he doesn't like talking about that story. It's gotten brought up in radio interviews and stuff I've, that I've listened to. And Bobby's like, I don't want to talk about that. John Lennon's my hero. Like, I don't you know, I don't know. Something changed within Bobby. I, I could appreciate that. I could totally appreciate that. Johnny had a wig in something to believe in video. Believe, of course, Marky wears wigs. I don't know about John. I never heard about Johnny wearing a wig, though. Um. so in any case too tough to die makes a lot of sense there's a lot of factors that affect the memory of a great show the songs the performance the venue the size of the crowd the drugs or alcohol coursing through or absent from your body within minutes driving or walking home afterward a show can grow large in our retelling of it Also geographically affecting a show are the stories that we carry inside of ourselves as we're rocking out. Narratives that may or may not have happened to those guys and girls up there on the stage or next to me on the floor, but which cast the evening on an even larger stage. This was very well written again by this guy, uh, Joe Bonimo. Let's see any of the comments. You know the best part about these blogs? I love, man, it's the blog is... The blog doesn't really exist that much anymore, which is a shame in my opinion. Um, But the best part about blogs are like the various uh, comments. Sometimes they like bring in their own personal like stories. You just, you used to be able to find such interesting little tidbits in the, I love, I love blogs, man. And I'm so grateful that they still exist. You know, Bobby played bar chords just like Johnny. Mm. Bobby's such a fucking great guitar player because shaved head surgery, a Danzig-Johnny collaboration would have been cool. Check out, you know what, uh, Johnny, uh, friggin' Jerry Montano, who I had on the show, really nice guy. He was the bass player on Circle of Snakes. He has said that Glenn Danzig got on the phone with Rick James and that had Rick James not died, they would have collaborated on a song. That's from him. He's the one who says that. Fucking crazy. Fucking crazy. All right. Before we do the trivia question, are you all still here? Let me repeat the thing. I know I've played this video twice, but you I know, just want to make sure that everybody understands. And I just want to say we've we've done two other trivia questions and as of this recording i'm going to double check right now real quick but as of this recording nobody has answered the question correctly so there's actually three trivia questions up so that's three t-shirts let me see let me just double check real quick nope uh nope nope okay all right, I'm going to I'm gonna repeat the two trivia questions, and I'm going to ask the new one. But before I do, let me tell you what the rules are, okay? Are you ready for the rules? Here are the rules. One last time. I'm going to be doing a live show every single day. I'm going to be giving away a T-shirt. At the end of every episode, I will ask my trivia question. You will send your answer to fromismail at gmail.com, and the first person to answer correctly will be the winner. You give me your name, your address, and your t-shirt size. If you are outside of the continental United States, you will have to cover shipping and handling. Join us night after night where I will be doing t-shirt giveaways. Who doesn't like a free t-shirt? I'm not going to go easy on any of you. I'm going to ask really hard questions. So be prepared. Okay, are we ready? Are we ready to rock? Are we ready to roll? Jody Ramon, thank you. Everything is great with myself and the fam. We're we're all hanging in. We're all doing okay. Okay. Here are the questions. So these are the two questions that people got wrong. You can try and answer these questions. It's one per customer though. So if you answer the question, that's it. That you get your shirt. If you answer two questions, I'm not going to give two shirts. So it's one shirt. Okay. Ready? Here's the question. The first question. The first question is as follows: The Misfits. What is the first compilation of Misfit songs put out by the Misfits? What is the name of the release? That simple. The first compilation of Misfit songs. The first release to compile Misfit songs. What is it? Send your answer in to fromismail at gmail.com. The winner will get first person to get it correct will win a free t-shirt. You give me your shirt size and everything, blah, blah, blah. Second trivia question that was not, has still not been answered correctly. Ready? Um, Mad Max Fury Road was written by three people. One of those people also happens to act in the original Mad Max. What is their name? Who, what do they play, and what is their name? So one of the screenwriters for Mad Max Fury Road is in the original Mad Max. What do they play? And now for tonight's question, are you ready? Tonight's question, are you ready? What album do not call it out I, i'll be pissed do not call it out this is you have to send it to from ismail at gmail.com the ramon song the crusher what is the album to first what is the first time the ramon song the crusher uh, appe- sorry, uh pfft, let me say that again sorry i'm not saying it right what is the first album to feature the song the crusher by the ramones OK, did you do you understand what I'm saying? The first album to feature the song, The Crusher. OK, it's written by D.D. Dee Dee Ramone. What is the first album to have that song on it? I will check the timestamps. If we have any winner winner chicken dinners, you will be entitled to a free shirt. OK, but you have to say the right has to be the right answer. You can use the Internet. I don't care. I can't stop you from using the Internet. So don't hurry in, get your, get your answers in. Should I repeat the three questions one more time? I don't think I need to. I think you can just rewind, rewind this stream and check and see what they are. I'm going to go. Thank you. Have a wonderful night, everybody. Peace. Hair grease. I'll, uh, if you hear from me, it means that you won something. So we'll do that. Yeah. Okay. Goodbye.